0: Welcome to The Art of Being a Mum, the podcast that's a platform for mothers who are artists and creatives to share the joys and issues they've encountered while continuing to make art. Regular themes we explore include the day-to-day juggle, how mothers' work is influenced by their children, mum guilt, how mums give themselves time to create within the role of mothering and the value that mothers and others place on their artistic selves. My name's Alison Newman. I'm a singer, songwriter and a mum of two boys from regional South Australia. You can find links to my guests and topics we discuss in the show notes, together with music played, how to get in touch and a link to join our lively and supportive community on Instagram. The Art of Being a Mum acknowledges the Boendick people as the traditional owners of the land which this podcast is recorded on. Me today, It really does mean a lot. My guest this week is Simone Wise. Simone is a visual artist from Adelaide in Australia and is a mum of two. Simone grew up surrounded by creativity with two creative sisters and a creative mum. They went to the gallery a lot and Simone was never really bored as she was always making craft. She studied art history and considered that as a career path. It wasn't until her mid-30s that she took the plunge and went to art school. She was determined to practice and push through in the face of challenges. Simone is heavily influenced by Dutch still life of the 17th century and the works of Turner, and she's very interested in iconography and symbolism. She describes her artistic style as tonal realism. She's currently studying a fine art course at Adelaide Central School of Art. This episode contains discussion around stillbirth, grief and mental health. Today we chat about why we gather certain objects, role modelling perseverance to her son through her art, and how Simone's art helped her through the loss of her first son. Music you'll hear today is used with permission from Alemjo, Australian New Age ambient music trio, comprised of myself, my sister Emma Anderson, and her husband John. I hope you enjoy today's episode. Welcome to the podcast Simone. It's really lovely to meet you and have you on the podcast today.
1: Thank you so much for having me, Alison. I'm really excited to chat about all things creative and being a mum in the world today.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's a pleasure. So, whereabouts are you based? Are you in Adelaide? North I am. South Australia. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yes. yeah, based in Adelaide. I'm born here, lived in Queensland for a little bit, but mostly been here all yep. my life. So, yeah.
0: Yeah, have you ever been down to Mount Gambier, where I am?
1: I have, yes, and I've yeah. actually my little boy like, has been asking me to go to Mount Gambier for a while because he's got friends who have been. So, oh. yeah, but no, I, I do love it down there. It's um, yeah, it's lovely.
0: Yeah, don't <laughs> don't come in winter. Just stay away in winter.
1: Okay. <laughs> it's okay. Too cold. Stay go for a few months.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wait till the sun comes back. Oh dear. Yeah. <laughs> so you're um, a visual artist. Can you share? what sort of style your art is and
1: yeah okay well I'm um I'm two years into a three-year fine art course at um Adelaide Central School of Art and um I specifically chose that school because it um has really strong grounding in I guess you'd say the traditional arts um, foundations um not everyone who graduates from there works in you know old-fashioned sort of art but it has a really good foundation in a um, drawing and painting and so I guess you'd say I my paintings have been described as photorealist but I don't really like that description Mm -hmm. to be honest because while there's a skill in photorealism there's not much in terms of interpretation so I like to think I I paint in like more of a tonal realist style Mm -hmm. and I'm really informed by um, still life paintings from um, Dutch 17th century, like that real tradition of, um, you know, like a black background with um, things like grapes and um, setups of grapes and lemons and silver goblets and things like that. I I love the iconography and symbolism and drama of all of that. And so I'm very much drawn to really detailed paintings and really detailed um, drawings.
0: Yes. Yeah, right. (laughs) So do you work in, I'm going to ask this question now, but it's probably a question for later, but I was looking on your Instagram, as I do with all my yeah. guests, I like to have a bit yeah. of a stalk before I meet you, <laughs> um, that you, you, were, you painted in, it was oils, but it was on copper. Mm. Can you explain what the relevance of that is? Because I don't know anything about anything. Yeah, so. well,
1: I've actually only done one painting on copper and it was a bit of an experiment and I was thrilled that it got chosen to be part of an art prize because I wasn't mm. quite sure how it would work out but yep. traditionally it's something that's been done quite a lot but it's been in centuries past but it's been painted like the board hasn't been able to show through. You get a piece of copper and like etching copper and you put some um, gesso, something to create the ground and then you paint on it like any other surface. You can paint on lots of things so yeah, yeah right. I, I didn't I don't think I'll go back to work because I found it a little too slippery
0: <laughs> but I
1: did love the warmth and depth that comes from the metal underneath so yeah,
0: yeah. that's cool yeah like I said <laughs> I, I don't know anything I've got since I've been chatting to people um, through the podcast I've discovered that I can actually do art like I thought art had to be like realism, sort of stuff. Yeah. Like it had to look yeah. like what it looked like, and because I couldn't do that, I was like, oh I can't do this." And then, all of a sudden, I've realised there's all these things you can do. Um, the thing is, it's you amazing.
1: Could like people? I'm not trying to do a humble brag or anything, but people often say to me, "Like, oh, you're so talented," and I don't actually think I'm that talented. I think I just have perseverance and uh, yeah. sort of a bit obsessive sometimes. <laughs> and I think the school that I went to teaches you like really like we learned the most boring painting triangles in black and white for ages and yeah, you know you can't help but develop some skill and if you're obsessed enough with something to stay up till early in the morning to get better at it then you will. so
0: yeah, that's it it really is a practice, isn't it? It's not like you yeah. just wake up one day and you can all of a sudden do something you actually have to learn yeah. the skills and and that's something else I didn't understand either. I just thought because my background singing, I just thought yeah. you can sing or you can't sing like you can, you can do it or you can't and that's how I felt about drawing and painting until very recently so I'm glad of this experience
1: fascinating even when like I'm at a point where I'm happy with my skill level but there's still heaps more that I can learn about different techniques and different ways I can push myself conceptually so yeah yeah, it's like a never-ending process
0: So when did you first get interested in art and creativity?
1: Uh, I've always been interested in art and creativity. My mum's very creative. Um, I'm one of three girls and we all are creative in our own ways. Um, grew up going to the gallery a lot, really loving art, um, never really being bored because we were always making something out of paper and sticky tape Um yep. I guess i I was always crafty i I still and I still am I still do lots of crochet and sewing and things, mm-hmm. but I never really trusted myself as an artist because, like you sort of like you were saying before, you can or you can't. there are always people in school who were better drawers than me. I was interested in it, but I wasn't ever like didn't have that natural aptitude to be like amazing so i i i um I studied art history, interested in getting into working in art. Yeah, and it—I loved it. I love art history, but it didn't quite feel right enough for me to pursue that as a career too much. Um, mm-hmm. And it wasn't really until about my early to mid thirties that I took the plunge and went to art school, and thought, you know, what the hell, I'll—you know—if I—if I want to do something, I'll usually do it properly. And so, going to art school was my way of like taking the plunge and seeing whether I could do it or not so <laughs> yeah yeah and I've been thrilled to discover that um, you know I, I can it's just a matter of um, perseverance so I was mm. terrible terrible at first and always one of the slowest in the class so yeah,
0: yeah. but that didn't put you off you were determined to do it
1: <laughs> yeah there was a sort of bloody mindedness about me that I was just like I wasn't gonna let it let it beat me. <laughs> yeah
0: oh, good on you that's yeah. a great attitude to have. Um, when you're talking about your art history background is that where that sort of that um, love and appreciation of the symbolism sort of comes from?
1: I think so yeah I think the thing about um, my art history studies has taught me is that art is such a reflection of the world that you live in and so you know, you might look at a 17th century Dutch painting of a goblet and some grapes and think, oh, that's boring. I've seen that a hundred times before, but it's actually of its time. It had symbolism about, you know, life and death and wealth and prosperity and, you know, eternal life or, you know, um, Mm -hmm. greed or, yeah, there's so much symbolism, so much meaning to things. And I find it really fascinating to, think about the context in which art was created so, mm. yeah. yeah
0: I find that really fascinating too I had an interview with um Dr Melanie Cooper on one of my season oh, one yes
1: I love her I, mm. I listened to that one, yeah. Oh, <laughs> and
0: I just opened my eyes to this whole world and I was so fascinated by it because I'm I'm one of those people that I can't just watch a movie and just like watch the movie I have to see all the little hidden messages and in the you know the light and shade or yep. where webs- where the actors is placed and all this stuff and it drives my sister nuts like I can't just watch something and just shut up and watch it um so I found that really fascinating and ever since then I've sort of had this newfound appreciation for pieces of art because they can't just be viewed on their own like you can't just take them they have to be viewed within a context actually that's just reminded me of something that's completely random (laughs) have you watched that Netflix show um it's called, I think it's called Inventing Anna. It's just come out. It's about that that I
1: haven't. I've seen pretend girl.
0: Before. Yeah, she. Yeah. it's like this, she's a con woman and she's yeah. really into art. And there's this one scene where they're in this art gallery and I can't remember what the who the artist was, but she basically said, someone said, oh, that's a really crap painting or whatever it was. It was a, it was a photo of this art, a lady with like a, I don't know, she had, you know how they used to put, like handkerchiefs over their heads to stop the when they're in the cars to stop their hair going yeah. everywhere. sorry this is really random but it just reminded me yeah um and so the person that was looking at it was all they were seeing was this lady with a thing over her head and just going yeah. what's why is that amazing mm-hmm. and and Anna in her you know conness come out with this big story about how that was the first time a woman had stepped in front of the camera um, and like a photographer had made herself the subject and because wow. of the era that it was in and it was like a message about patriarchy and women's rights. And it was like, that just reminded me, sorry.
1: (laughs) No, no, no. That's a bit of rambling. The thing I love about art is that there's, it can just be a pretty picture or something that you like the look of, but there can also be so much to it. And I sort of get discouraged when people say, sort of assume like art has to be just about skill. And I guess Mm -hmm. for me, I do have obvious skill in that I can paint. you know if I were to paint an apple it would look like an apple and people would recognize it and so they therefore think that my art is good art whereas not necessarily you know and it's um there's a sort of uh I guess it might be a bit of a tall poppy thing like people not wanting to push themselves or be confused by something Mm. or um challenged and I think
0: that that's the Australian way isn't it like we've always got to we've got to cut down our tall poppies because they make everyone else feel in insignificant or incompetent or you know we've always got to try and level the playing field in some way don't we yeah it's horrible
1: that there is that um tendency to feel um yeah to feel like you to feel discomfort about not knowing something instead of curiosity
0: yeah that's so that is that's a really well put that's that's really well said Yeah, so your piece that we painted on copper that we talked about before was actually, it was of the Handorf Cemetery. It's called Harndorf yeah. Cemetery Summer. And um, it was selected by the Harndorf Academy in the Adelaide Hills Landscape Arts Prize. Yes. And that's pretty special.
1: Yeah, I was thrilled, especially as I was saying before, it was the first time I painted on copper and I saw that painting as a bit of an experiment. And I was also trying to push myself in that painting to leave things more unfinished there's a tendency me to be a perfectionist and just paint everything to a fine detail and it was Mm -hmm. um quite inspired by an artist um Turner and he has these beautiful paintings of weather and landscape that are just sort of half finished they're just so coarse in some areas yep and so I was just really trying to get get to that so
0: Mm. yeah it's it actually reminds me of paintings that my nana not my nana sorry my grandma um, had on her wall she lived in Kalangadu, which is a little yeah. place near Mount Gambier and just the color of the sky like that really burnt orange I don't know just when I looked at this it just there's a I don't know there's a famous painting that used to be in her lounge and it just came into my head I thought gosh that looks I'm not saying it's the same it's nowhere near the <laughs> no, no, same that, but that yeah. that color that color just yeah. got me and I had that you know that nostalgic pang that you get oh, and nice. you go oh yeah, I love that yeah. 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 So can you share with the listeners about the story about that how that painting came to be?
1: Yeah, well I um I specifically painted that painting and took the photograph that I painted that um painting from with the Adelaide Hills Landscape Prize in mind. So that's why I was so stoked I got in. <laughs> <Yeah. 'Cause>, um, <laughs> I I guess like a lot of people I struggle with procrastination and fitting things in so I will often choose an art prize and paint something for it and whether or not I get on in is not the ultimate outcome it's just to have something to do and to have a deadline so mm-hmm. um and I don't do landscapes and but I thought I, I was quite interested to try uh so I went for a drive up to Handorf with my son one day and we had a lovely walk around um and I'm quite interested in cemeteries, so you may sound morbid. Taking your, he was then four, I believe. Yeah, taking a four-year-old to the cemetery, but um, yeah, I just love those, love the area, and um, it's such a traditional old cemetery with so many old um, German names there. Mm, so, yeah, yeah, definite feast for the eyes and lots of areas to paint. So. Yeah,
0: yeah. No, I can appreciate that. Interest in cemeteries because I think it's it's such a can obviously it's a connection to the past and often um, like we've got two cemeteries here we've got like the new the newer one and then we've got this really really old one and it's so nice to walk around and see like that I don't know it's just it feels weird that you're somewhere where someone that that has was existed so many like maybe a hundred years before you mm. and you're at the same place at the same time with this person like it feels yeah. really I don't know and there's one in the old Calangadoo Cemetery in one of them it doesn't even say this lady's name it just says mother and it's like couldn't she have even got her name on there like that one just really sticks in my mind so and I find that interesting too to see how people are remembered by other people the words they used to describe them and all that sort of stuff I find that really fascinating
1: yeah for sure Mm. yeah
0: Now, you said there that you're not, you don't usually do the landscapes. No. So what's your sort of, I mean, again, I've stalked you on Instagram. (laughs) No. (laughs) um, There was a picture, uh, sorry, yeah, a photo that you posted of a painting that you'd done of your son's robot that he made. Oh, yes. (laughs) Um, Which, by the way, is a beautiful picture. Like, it's just, I look at it and I think, like, you could, put your hand in and pick it up like it's just so it's realistic but without being like you said before like it's not an exact copy it's got like I don't know it feels like it's looked through through a filter or a lens or something like an old I don't know I'm rambling again but I really (laughs) liked that um so yeah so share with us what's the sort of things that you usually paint what are you sort of influenced by mostly
1: yeah I usually paint objects um I don't generally tend to paint paint or draw people I'm just not that I have anything against people who do or paintings that are of people of portraits but I'm more interested in objects and what our objects say about us it's almost like I believe um, the objects that we find special to us are more of a portrait in some ways and so that painting it's lovely to hear that you love it because that was very dear to me Um, it sold which was um, very flattering as well it's amazing to think that someone wanted to pay money for that Um, so yeah I guess the story behind that one is um, my mum was looking after my son while I was at work and my son is very very into making and creating things too and he just got it in his head that he had to make me a robot and he he and my mum made it Robot, and he was just so his dear little face when he gave it to me. He was just so thrilled, and yeah, like, yeah. And I was, yeah, it was just one of those lovely moments of being a mum where you're like, your kids made you something really gorgeous, and it's just really sweet. And it was just a way to sort of capture that. And it, Mm. I entered it into a portrait prize because, um, I see it as a portrait, even even though it's not a traditional portrait, it's Mm. almost like a double portrait because it's, or a triple portrait, even because it's like, yeah the title is me as a smart and pretty robot which my son made a robot version of me being smart and pretty which is what you'd want to be (laughs) hopefully functioning well as well and so he made it and then I painted it and so yeah it was like a double you know his creativity my creativity and our relationship and so there are a lot of objects that um, have a, a real lot of meaning and tell a lot of story and I love I, I really like the ambiguity of painting something that might be a bit confusing like why would you paint you know spent hours and hours and hours painting this particular thing and mm. plonking it in the middle of something and making it look like this amazing grand thing like they did with the you know Dutch still lives of these amazing goblets you know you can understand mm. why you would paint something that was like beautiful fruit and silverware but why would you paint some sort of cardboard thing <laughs> so I, I quite like the ambiguity of that so yeah,
0: yeah that raises a, a real question I think of like what is valuable and what you know just because something doesn't have a price tag
1: mm. you
0: know it's important to someone it has that that value that that person yeah. places on it yeah yeah
1: the sort of thing that you might um grab if there were a fire would not necessarily be the most money stuff at the most monetary value mm. would be the things that um are a link to another relationship
0: yeah. Um, two things I want to ask you about this conversation. What did you son think about the fact that you then painted a picture of the robot? What was his impression of that?
1: It's funny. He's very blase. I think <laughs> like most kids who grow up, their parents, whatever their parents is, like, oh, yeah, you know, you know, yeah. I asked him about the progress as I went on. I was like, what do you think about that colour background? He's like, yeah, it's good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he was, uh, yeah, he was, I think he was he was quietly chuffed but not amazingly so just like yeah.
0: yeah he was
1: he was annoyed when it got into the exhibition and I haven't told him that it's sold yet he's forgotten about it so <laughs> he, was, he sort of was a bit annoyed that it got in like as if I hadn't consulted him so yeah but it's his <laughs> I guess it was his intellectual property so <laughs> oh, that's funny yeah
0: It's interesting you say about objects that people might collect or be given or, you know, what they place their value on, I suppose. Um, And you were saying how that can sometimes tell you more about someone than, you know, a portrait. Um, Mm. Or maybe that's what I was thinking. Maybe they weren't your words, but I was thinking like you can find out so much more about someone by looking at the things that they hold dearest. Yeah, Um, It's so interesting because there's a friend of mine who, is a watercolor artist and Julia Reader. Hello, shout out to you. Um, she collects, when she goes on her walk, she collects pieces of nature. So it might be leaves or um, gum nuts or just anything that she finds. And she always posts it on her Instagram of the things that she's found. And I always find it so fascinating because I'm like that with feathers. Feathers yeah. are, I always collect feathers. And if there's an interesting leaf, it's yeah. got to be very interesting, um, yeah. yeah. And it's just like, why do we do this? Like, oh, what yeah. are we, you know, this connection that we want to have to things? Um, it's like it's we're surrounded
1: so many, by so many things and so many objects, which are the ones that um, stand out and mm. yeah, become special. So, yeah. yeah, I just,
0: I just find it really interesting. It is, um,
1: yeah.
0: yeah. So I was going to ask you about your son. So he's he's grown up. Like you said, he's a bit sort of blase about the whole thing because yeah. he's seen you paint, he's grown up in the in the family of a, of a painter, an artist. Um, can you tell us a little bit more about him?
1: Yeah, uh, his name's Emmanuel. He's five, started school this year. Yeah. he's he's lovely. he's amazing. he's he's very funny, very energetic and hyper. He teaches me a lot about the world actually. He's sort of I've often said he, he approaches everyone as if they're going to be be his friend,
0: mm-hmm. and it,
1: mostly they are, and I think that's just such a lovely way, whereas I'm a lot more introverted and shy than him, and it's just lovely to see him approach people with um, faith and excitement and enthusiasm and see mm. that response, so... Yeah, that's
0: that's a really interesting way you've described it because it sounds like you're describing my child, but I hadn't yeah. quite put the words together. He's six and he's the same. He just, now that you've said it in those words, it makes perfect sense. It's like he thinks everybody in the world is a potential friend, like a kind mm. person. And it's, yeah, you sort of think yeah. there's a time going to come when you realise that's not really true, but for now it's lovely. Yeah. Yes, for
1: sure. Yeah. Yeah, there is that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah being five he's very um hyperactive and energetic and um yeah it's a, it's an interesting age he's learning to read and all that sort of thing so I think I'm getting to the point where I can sometimes have an hour or or something to myself but it's still very much that full-on you know like food and drink and this and that the whole time <laughs> yes
0: they're very demanding little things yeah aren't they? yeah <laughs> And it's funny because like they grow up and they're capable of more stuff, but it's like the more capable they get, it's almost like the more they want you to do for them. Like, yeah. I don't yeah. know. It's, it's like
1: right. They sort of revert and they want. Yeah, it's like,
0: it's like yeah, talk, but
1: they want you to still be there every second.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. You you're actually a mother of two, um, mm. which I appreciate that you feel comfortable talking about your son. Can you share with us about Lewis?
1: Yeah, so um, Emmanuel has an older brother, Lewis, who was born eight years ago. Um, he died as a baby. He was um he was I was thirty nine weeks pregnant, about to um, set for an in- induction, and I went to the doctors for the um, appointment ahead of that, and um, they were doing the ultrasound and couldn't find a heartbeat and I was just really like what I thought the Mm -hmm. doctor was just like well the baby's there and I it just hadn't occurred to me that anything would happen and and so close to the birth um yeah so Lewis was stillborn um yeah at 39 weeks so that was um it was horrible because Not that it would necessarily be easier if you knew it was going to happen, but the idea Mm. that you could lose a child at that point was just like, yeah, Mm. had not even occurred to me. And it just, I just couldn't quite comprehend it. So, and when he was born, he was a perfectly formed baby. Like he was my child and he was beautiful. And he, uh, but he just, wasn't alive and it was just baffling like how it could happen and yeah
0: yeah it's it's interesting you say that I think there's so much um emphasis placed on you know the first three months you know those first 12 weeks get through the first 12 weeks and then no one ever talks about anything happening later on and I think you're right you just you just flow through and you just expect that that's what's going to happen and so when it doesn't it's just incredibly shocking and confusing and yeah
1: yeah Yeah. it's almost like you breathe a sigh of relief after those first three months and you can tell Mm. people and yeah yeah so yeah it it was horrible and I think um the fact that he was still born I didn't even get to see him breathe I've always mourned well I've mourned the whole thing but I've definitely mourned not being able to tell him that I love him and see his eyes open and Mm. so yeah yeah it's been um you know yeah it was it was definitely the worst thing that happened
0: Mm. to me yeah yeah I'm sorry Simone that's yeah and thank you for sharing it too. I think like a lot of things in in this world there's so much taboo stuff that we never talk about yeah and I feel like the more conversations we have about that stuff, the more we're actually helping each other. Because, um, yeah. you know, on this on this podcast before, we've talked about um, miscarriages, stillbirths, we've talked about mental health issues, um, death of a parent, grief, all that sort of stuff. And I think it's important not only for the people that are sharing it to have a platform to be able to share it if they want,
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, but people who might have experienced something like that and haven't had Anyone around them talk about it. You know, this mm. might be the first time that someone's heard someone else say that and think, "Oh wow, I am allowed to talk about that." Or you know, and encourages people to reach out to other people and and get conversation started. Um,
1: yeah, and you do yeah. feel very alone. I mean, I guess no one can ever be inside your head with you, but it is a particular mm. type of grief because. You know, you might meet someone new, you might be in the shops and someone could just assume that you're fine, you know, it's one of those I'm sure everyone going through grief feels like, you know, you should have this big red splash on your face or something like to show that things aren't fine and normal. And it's with being a mum and having had a child but not having the child to raise, it complicates things so much. Like, you know, you'll meet someone, you know, go to the hairdresser and they'll say, Have you got any kids? and in the early days, I would say yes because I it pained me to say no because it was a definite, it was like a denial of his existence. Mm. Um, and then people would that would raise people would be uncomfortable and not know what to say and be yeah. awkward. And these days, I'll I'll choose whether I say or not. And most times, I'll actually just say I've I've got the one kid because I just don't feel the need to get into conversation with acquaintances yeah. about it. Yeah, And, um, you know, my friends and family obviously all know about it, but um, I feel more comfortable not talking about Lewis as much as I used to. I think in the early days it was important for me to – I was almost angry. Yeah, no, it wasn't almost. I was very angry. I felt angry that he wasn't there. and I felt angry that people didn't know about him and I
0: – Yeah. Yeah. It's like you, you wanted to tell them because it was, I guess, validating the fact that he actually did exist, he, you know.
1: Exactly and yeah. that
0: would feel like you weren't doing the right thing by him I guess to say you know to acknowledge his, that he 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 was there
1: yeah and people are well-meaning but there are some platitudes that come out and people say something like oh he's he's in heaven now or he's with the angels or something and like people don't say that about grown people that have died it's almost like because it, he was a baby he wasn't you know, he he gets those throwaway little comments. It's almost like it's not valuing the life as much.
0: So. Mm. Yeah. No, that's a, that is a good point. So, throughout that experience that you had, was there any place for your art? There was that sort of. Did you use that as a, a tool to heal, or was it was it tucked away for a while? Like how how did that sort of play out?
1: Um, art actually played a huge role, and I feel like without wanting to sound you know melodramatic (laughs) it uh uh made me the person that i am now and made me not get over it get but get through it um because i'd been in art school while i was pregnant with lewis and um had him during the break and then i went back to the next semester of art classes and
2: Mm.
1: you know family sort of questioned like maybe you should take a break from art school but I did take a little bit of a break from work but it was important for me to go back to art school and I I really just became obsessed with painting then and like I said at first I was terrible (laughs) but um, I you know not having a a new baby like I all my preparations had gone into having this new child to look after and suddenly there was a quiet house and I was on maternity leave and there was not a child to look after so it was actually quite good to be able to um you know I'd stay up to like three or four or five in the morning painting assignments because I could you know and um, mm, it yep. was a way for me to sort of um do something that was doing something <laughs> yeah 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 and it was also, it was it was a way to like hold on to something that I, I think at the time I wouldn't even say I was enjoying the painting. It wasn't mm-hmm. about enjoying it. It was just about doing it. It was almost like a chore or a challenge or something. So um, in the early days, it was something to do to get better at it. And um, further on, it was like a way to something to um, hold on to something good in life.
0: Mm-hmm. Because it
1: it's funny with, with grief, you know, it's quite circular and you can feel like, I think the worst time for me was about a year after it had happened because I felt like by that point I should possibly be pregnant again and things should be back to normal and things should be fine. But in any, in many ways, I think I'd had quite a naive optimistic view of the world and that view had gone down. And a year later, I just felt like life was just like trudging through, you know, mm-hmm. and it was all very gray and bleak. And art, art was the one thing I could like make a decision to hold on to and, make life good (laughs) yeah you know like in some ways you know that that saying fake it till you make it like it was my thing to hold on to as something good in the world to Mm. get enthusiastic about even though I didn't feel enthusiastic I sort of gradually made myself force myself to be so yeah
0: yeah so it was this is I hate describing it like this but it was sort of like a a form of therapy i suppose that helped you oh it definitely process was. and work through things
1: yeah yeah mm. and i had a um my ex partner at the time probably not fair on him to go into too much information about him but seeing him not have a channel to express himself or spend mm. time on doing anything productive i saw that i was definitely the better off by having a way to spend my time mm improving on something and getting better at it
0: yeah and I think yeah for yourself to to feel productive and feel like you know there's there's something like I said there's something good in the world and it might have also been like a consistent thing that you knew was probably you know it was up to you whether it was there or it wasn't so it was going to be there as long as you wanted it to I suppose yeah yeah
1: Yeah. sure yeah and I think being in art, art school at the time I had you know there was deadlines things had to be done on a certain time so yeah there was um yeah it was definitely a type of therapy yeah and still yeah. is I think I think um sometimes when the world feels a bit bleak I've had my own mental health not so much postnatal depression but um other types of mental health issues art is a good way to sort of uh keep busy doing something that feels worthwhile so, mm.
0: yeah. yeah absolutely as a mother have you noticed that what you're influenced by has changed or the way that you look at things have has changed in terms of your art
1: yeah yeah I would say that um I mean I was still in the early days of my artist being an artist before I became a mum but since then I've um, I found it's yeah definitely informed my art and the way I see things because it um everything that happened with my first son and my second son, you sort of realise what's important in life and what sort of things are meaningful. And um, you look for meaning, how you can display that meaning visually. So yeah. 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 No, and that's something I, I like about my own art, which sounds a bit vain. I I like that. um, I've got the skill to show something, you know, how it is. Mm. I can paint something and people can appreciate like, oh, that's a painting of a whatever it is um, and leave it at that. But then there is also that other element, like, for example, the robot painting we were talking about before, you could look at that and say, oh, it's a child's piece of craft. But then there is also that further element. So mm. I like the layering that you get, you know.
0: Oh, yeah. It's so fascinating. I really wish I had got done this earlier in my life, really. I mean, I know I'm yeah. only forty, but I've got a long hopefully I've got a long time to do this yeah, stuff. It's sure. so yeah. interesting. I just love it. Yeah.
1: Well, I'm I'm forty two. I turned forty a couple of weeks ago. And um yeah. yeah, I guess um I'm I'm encouraged by there are a lot of artists, female artists who um going strong into their older years or even like fully come into themselves as artists later on so mm. while I, I do get frustrated that I don't have the time to dedicate to art that I would like I still feel like I've got the foundations of the skills and yep. in, who knows what will happen in the future I might have more time to you know push things further
0: yeah yep. yeah two really interesting topics I like to talk to all of my guests about is mum guilt and identity so we'll launch into mum guilt first because that's yeah. always a bit of fun so yeah. everyone's concept of that is is different <laughs> and which I love too it's just so interesting yeah. what are you what is your take on mum guilt your thoughts around that
1: I'm I've been thinking about that since um you asked me for the interview and I'm undecided about mum guilt because yep. I feel like it definitely exists. I do feel guilty about things, um, whether or not that guilt is fair on myself or other people. I think it comes from wanting to do the best you can by the, by your child and feeling like you're perhaps letting them down. Mm-hmm. Um, so I do believe in mum guilt that way. But then I also feel like perhaps... Um, well, maybe I'm just I'm just lucky and privileged, and that I haven't felt as judged from people. It's the people I surround myself with are um, supportive of the things I do, so I don't feel that sense of mum guilt socially. If you know <laughs> what I mean, like I I work, and my son's in child in school and childcare like Osh. Uh, if if things could be different, they would be. But I don't feel guilty about the fact that I am not a traditional mum and that we don't, you know, bake together very often <laughs> or do a lot of the things I'd like. I so I while I do feel regret that there's not as much time together as I would like. I don't feel guilty about that because that's where we live in. You know, it's. Mm. Yep. If I were not working, then there'd be other problems that we'd have. <laughs> so.
0: Yeah, that's its not it. Yeah. Isn't it?
1: So yes, I'm undecided. I, I definitely do feel guilty, mum guilt, about not doing everything, and definitely times when I haven't done my best as a mum. And being a single mum, there are times when I'm just so exhausted, mm. and I'm just, I've completely, I've got nothing left, and I know there's yeah. times I could have done better, and I, I lose it a bit, and I do feel guilt then. But I, I wouldn't describe that as your, what most people might call mum guilt. I. Mm-hmm. I describe that more as just like general, you know, feeling like I did a shit job at parenting that day.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, hats off to you, by the way. Anyone that's <laughs> out there as a single mom listening, I've got so much respect for you guys because, oh. man. <laughs> well,
1: I'm lucky compared to some of my friends who are doing it all alone. I do have a, you know, my son's still got a great dad who's a big part of his life. So I don't have my son 100% of the time. So I do get time to you know have a bit of mental space and mm. not yeah so I think it would be much harder if you were the, the sole custody parent for sure
0: yeah. Mm. oh yeah I don't know how you do it honestly <laughs> Either that I'm just really weak and pathetic you <laughs> no, <laughs> well,
1: you get surprised by what you're capable of I, <laughs> I never intended to be a single parent it was not what you know <laughs> I went into a marriage and motherhood thinking but it it's, is what it happened it is you know it happened mm. and managed somehow whether or not I'm doing all right I assume I am I think I am <laughs> he's still alive and healthy and
0: <laughs> a nice person so yeah yeah he's still out there making his friends with everyone so yeah. you know you know you're doing a good job <laughs> oh dear yeah this concept of identity that when when you're a mum you just you I don't want to say you're just a mum because we're never just a mum that's not the the right words but you can be so much more than mm. the mothering role I suppose mm. um, What what's your thoughts on that as well?
1: Yeah it's funny I mean I do see myself as as a mum as a huge part of my identity um, especially I think having feeling like a angry and bitter that my first son was taken away from me mm. i've held on to that identity of myself as a mother quite strongly like um yeah so yeah definitely that's a big part of my identity um, almost like the core really like he's when you have a child they're sort of even if they're not physically with you they're there somewhere else people I've heard all sorts of cheesy phrases like having a child is like having your heart out in the world or something like that yeah. so there is a truth yeah. to that in that you there's always a part of you that you're thinking about them and hoping they're okay and um yeah it's not the only part of me but it's it's the major part of me and um I think being an artist and my job and my family and friends just form a part of that as well but yeah mm-hmm. it definitely sort of feels like the central part of my identity especially in this stage of my son's life where that five he still very much needs me a lot and it's quite Mm. physical you know a lot of cuddles and other physical things cleaning up and yeah. know, so, yeah. getting
0: food. and yeah <laughs> That seems to be the biggest thing. I don't know. They're always wanting something, but food yeah. seems to be one of the big things.
1: I just can't believe how much he eats. I'm just oh. like, oh my
0: God. <laughs> it's nuts, isn't it? So I've got two boys, and it's like my oldest one's, what is he, 14 now. And he'll, for years, he's been eating the same amount of tea as my husband. I just think, they're like sticks there's nothing of them yeah. it's insane
1: yeah it really is
0: <sighs> yeah always
1: growing boys mm-hmm. I say. <laughs> oh
0: yeah The Art of Being a Mum with my mum, Alison Newman. Is it important to you to continue to have your own interests um, outside of being a mum?
1: For sure, yeah. I think um, having my own interests outside of being a mum I feel like is a good part of being a mum. Without wanting to um, speak ill of my own mum, I think growing up in a very creative family, and she was very creative um, and loved doing art, but she didn't pursue it outside of a, you know, craft, things for herself, Um and not that everything has to be pursued to a high level, but it did seem to me as a something that she could have pursued and didn't. Different times, different mm. means, that sort of thing. But um, yeah. I think my son, he's definitely interested in my art, and he gets to see that. And um, something that I really, really, really want him to grow up with is a sense of perseverance and um the idea that if you want something you have to try really hard to make it happen Mm -hmm. and I think he's in in a small way my art shows him that because he sees something from a small you know nothing canvas to become something that I choose it to be and he sees me spending a lot of time on it um Mm. so the idea of time um putting time into something and um sticking to it not that instant gratification
2: Mm, yeah and the
1: idea that if if you want to be good at something you can be but you just have to try yeah. so I do talk about even though I'm not studying right at the moment I do talk about art school and how you can get you can learn things and get better at them with practice and so that idea of practice i talked to him a lot about and um, I think it's it's an interesting thing as well art like there's so yeah. much so much art that you can go and take kids to and it's something that we we really do a lot together of so it's a big part of our lives together and I think he's um we go to a lot of gallery openings and things together and um so yeah in a way it is a part of my identity as a mother um with the art and having that it's important because it informs me as a mother to him but it's also good for him to see me pushing myself I think and spending my time doing something that I'm interested in because um Mm. not that there's anything wrong with sitting and binging a tv show (laughs) um I've I've definitely done that but I think um in life you'd want to have you know big things that you go after and I think it's good for him to see that
0: Mm. yeah I love that because it reminds me of this this saying society says to kids like oh you can be anything you want to be but then it doesn't follow up with if you work really really hard at it and persevere at it you know so I think sometimes kids can have this sense of entitlement I can be whatever I want you know um and also that that idea that um the two things you said then sort of got me going um this this way that society is seems to be going about um everything's got to be supplied in an instant you know like this I want something so I'm going to order it and get it in two days or I've broken something but I'm not going to repair it because it's cost more to repair it than to buy a new one and this instant gratification like I don't know um, that I think for him to be able to get that understanding that you know a painting does not just appear on the wall of the gallery there's you know all these hours and efforts and decisions to be made and all this stuff that goes into making that piece I think that's a really valuable thing to teach a child
1: yeah for sure yeah and um it's a very peaceful activity so I don't paint a lot when he's around because it's Mm -hmm. hard but occasionally he'll see me painting and or he'll see the progress is quite slow and I think that Mm -hmm. peacefulness is something that's missing in life yeah so a lot well for me at least so the sense of something being slow and peaceful um certainly doesn't hurt
0: <laughs> yeah um I spoke to a an artist the other day who was a, a potter. um like did this did a clay took the clay out the earth made it into shaped it into whatever and then you have to take a really long time for to fire it you can't just put it in and expect it to be done in you know five minutes because it will actually wreck it and explode it you know everything takes time and we're talking about how you know that that forces her to slow down it forces her to take her time and to be patient and to appreciate the process and you know it's just yeah and she also makes mercedes she's going to be her episode will be out soon actually no her episode would have been on by the time yours comes out sorry i'm getting (laughs) i'm getting all confused with the timeline. But, yeah, she made um, ink out of acorns some oh, cool. like, and then she was making charcoal out of like vines, sticks of like vines, um, putting them in a little tin and putting them in the fire and, and opening up the tin and drawing with the charcoal. I was like, yeah. we don't do that anymore. We just yeah. go and order stuff and it arrives and yeah. no one knows what happened. It's just yeah. you know, getting back in touch with the earth and I don't know we're yeah. getting away from that stuff
1: and that raises an important idea about when you're creative like the process of it like it's good to have something to show at the end and I wouldn't paint if you know everything I painted got chucked in the bin at the end of the night <laughs> but mm, yeah. um the process is really meaningful is um really important as well like for me the the mixing of the color colors that I need and the application it's um something that's real feels really vital to me like the process of going through painting you know if I could Mm. if I could speed up my process I I don't think I would because I really Mm. enjoy the whole I'm very slow and take a long time but I really enjoy Mm. every aspect of it and the different phases of a painting
0: yeah yeah and again yeah it's not all about the end product it's yeah I like that Do you mainly paint in oils or do you acrylic painting as well?
1: Uh, I don't paint with acrylic. I don't really mm-hmm. have any acrylic paint aside from like I'll start, I won't ever start with a, a white surface. I'll start mm-hmm. with um usually burnt umber. I'll do in acrylic just because it's cheaper to cover a board in <laughs> acrylic than oil. It yeah. dries quicker as well, which is good. But um, no, I, I just really love, the way that oil you can sort of push and pull it, and it's so pliable and it takes longer to dry, so you feel less pressure to get it perfect. Um, mm-hmm. I do some, I do do a little bit of watercolour here and there, like if I do yeah. a little sketch or something like that, I'll do some watercolour. So if I'm sort of after some instant gratification <laughs> in a way, I'll um, work with watercolour. But I like watercolour has um, a sort of uh, you don't really know exactly how it's going to turn out. I mean, you do, but you, if yeah, you I get what you mean. Yeah, that, yeah. If you go with that unexpected side, you can get some really beautiful stuff. And I, I don't know enough about acrylic, and I haven't painted in it enough to either be able to control it or enjoy that unexpected element that I enjoy mm-hmm. from watercolor. Yeah, I guess it depends what you can, what results you want. And I don't, I don't think I could get what I want with acrylics. Mm-hmm. Whereas if, if I were painting something different um, and were after a different look and if I could get that from acrylics, so I'm, I'm sure I would because it would be cheaper and easier to clean up. <laughs> <'Cause> <laughs> yeah. Oil paintings are a real pain in the bum, you know, at the end of the night when you're finished having to clean your brushes. Uh.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You can't just do what I do and just leave it all in the water no. till the next day. <laughs> no. <laughs> or, or longer. Apparently oh, no. God. <laughs> have you got any sort of things that you're working on at the moment like any particular sort of train of thought via work or anything coming up like entering competitions or anything like that
1: yeah I I hate to say it, but I've had a bit of a lull at the moment I've um had a lot going on family wise um with my dad being in hospital now oh, in sorry. care and my son starting school so I feel like this whole year has been quite overwhelming to begin with so Mm. I haven't done a lot of art I've done a lot of craft that's sort of like my comfort blanket is a bit of crochet yeah but I've always but in that space of time I've been going to galleries and looking through art books so it's always been a part of my life and I've just um been doing more practical things like getting boards ready because I, I love to paint on linen on boards. So I've been doing ah. things like getting some wooden boards ready for painting for when I'm ready and I've taken photographs of things because I work from photographs and I have started a painting which is sitting up on the kitchen table now. So it feels good to have something out and ready. So yeah, Yeah. I sort of had a bit of a flurry towards the end of last year. Um, and I think, yeah, that's from, working not quite full-time but you know four days a week and having I have to be really self-disciplined to do art and I haven't been that self-disciplined yeah. <laughs> so yeah but I've um I'm working on a painting at the moment with no not for any particular competition or anything but just um a lot of things the work I do can fit slot into competitions so when it's done yeah or, be done so yeah i'm actually painting seafood at the moment i um did a painting of an oyster a year or two ago and i loved Mm -hmm. it and there's a, a sergeant painting of squid that i just adore and it's i love i'm really attracted to the sort of disgustingness and the beauty of it at the same time yeah um so i'm doing a painting of a oyster and a crab and just the sort of the beauty of these and also the repellent nature of these things as well. Mm. That's an
0: interesting juxtaposition, isn't it? Like it's, yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think that's Mm. the really interesting thing about still life painting is you can, what you choose to paint, obviously you're putting it at the forefront and making people pay attention to this thing. And yeah, what you choose to paint can be interesting.
0: (laughs) Mm. When you go to art shows, do they have like an explanation of, what they're trying to say in in it or is that do you is it up to the viewer to work to make what they want from it
1: uh yes and no yeah there's often sometimes you'll go to an exhibition and it'll just be the title and the medium yeah um and that's all there is other times you'll go to an exhibition and there'll be um a catalogue essay that you can read which is definitely worth reading because that is generally written by someone other than the artist, but they'll have had a, a good conversation with the artists and really understand their concepts. So, um, yeah. Right. And then sometimes if you go, um, like for example, at the art gallery, they'll put a small blurb around things explaining them a little more. So,
2: mm-hmm.
1: yeah, I think, um, I really do appreciate those catalog essays and the descriptions of them, as long as they're written in plain English and, um, mm-hmm. I think with a lot of professions, there's jargon, but yep. there is a real history in our uh, of writing things more complicated than they need to be, mm-hmm. and um, I find it really disheartening when you'll, I'll go to an, ex- an exhibition and I love it and I buy the catalogue or take the free catalogue and read the essay and it'll just be like feel really dense and it just mm-hmm. it's almost like someone's trying to prove that they went to uni and um
0: yeah it's really it's alienating like cr- creates that boundary between the clever person and the the noob who's reading it (laughs) yeah
1: yeah for sure and I mean it's good to be challenged and to find things that you don't know about and try and learn about them but I think in the writing of it you need to be able you can still write beautifully and write in a way that's easy to understand
0: Mm. Yeah. yeah um I had an artist on from Ireland a few months ago she said the same thing she's um she said there's all this wank speak oh, totally- <laughs> and she, she tries to stay out of that
1: <laughs> yeah and I feel like oh. I know it I can I can speak that language because I've been to art school but I feel like yep. you shouldn't have to have been to art school to be able to understand something so mm.
0: yeah it's an it's interesting like maybe that's why I don't know people get I, I sort of liken it to when you go wine tasting and mm. and they'll talk in this special language if I've got I can spell tones of this and notes of that and you just think yep. it's just wine like it's just <laughs> you know it's like why you know this world has to have this special thing and it, like I said it alienates people mm. and then like normal everyday people are so off put from you know entering this world because they feel so dumb like you know
1: yeah like if you could if going to using the art analogy if people could describe it like describe it better and say when I taste this it makes me feel this or that or something in a way that was more engaging and not like Mm. made you feel stupid for not getting the exact same thing when you took that sip you know yeah yeah
0: yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? It's like this mm. elitist. I wonder if that comes from, I'm going to draw a very long bow here. Um, <laughs> because when I spoke to Melanie, um, that all this stuff about patriarchy came up about how women have always been excluded from art. Um, You know, traditionally, the women did the arts and craft, like the craft stuff. Mm. And that was like, the crap stuff that wasn't valued by the. Yeah, like things yeah. like
1: weaving, that was just decoration. Oh, yeah,
0: but, yeah. Um, you know, is that is all that weird talking language world being created by men to try and keep women out of it because they can talk in this fancy way, but women wouldn't understand it.
1: Yeah, that's a point. I (laughs) haven't thought of that. Yeah. And I think it's dangerous for any field to spend, to not be open up to new voices and ideas. I think you can be quite, you can become quite insular in any field. And I mean, if you're talking, all your friends know what you're talking about all your friends and colleagues know what you're talking about and you're all talking the same way then it's all going to start sounding the same and become its Mm. own little in in joke and you know if other people aren't open to that then it's um becomes a bit closed off doesn't it
0: Mm. yeah. yeah do you um ever paint with other people or you always paint by yourself
1: Yeah I do always paint by myself I I would love the idea of painting with other people and I love the idea of having a studio space and being able to bounce ideas off other people and just Mm. sharing the space because you are it is a very solo practice painting and drawing so I I really love the idea of having a studio and one day I would love to but just at the moment um, with work and finances and things it's just not something that I can do so I sort of art is something that I more just grab where I can whereas I think (laughs) if you have a studio you're paying to rent that space you sort of want to make the most of it and um Mm. I mean I was sort of hoping once my son went to school I have Fridays off but hasn't worked out (laughs) yet but I think (laughs) um yeah I'm definitely love the idea of a studio but um at the moment it's more just you know what I can get done at home and I'm lucky in that the medium that I love painting and drawing I can do from home I can um I've got a very small place I live in a unit and my art is spread out all over the table at the moment so we eat dinner (laughs) on the sofa (laughs) but um I can do that at home other artists I guess need that studio space because it's the work that they do isn't um practical or feasible to do at home so
2: yeah Mm. yeah
0: before when you were talking about your mum did that experience of watching her not pursue perhaps what she might have been able to do did that make you want to do it more was that sort of a driving thing yeah
1: yeah for sure because um I mean it may sound melodramatic people talk about things on your deathbed that you would regret Mm. Um, but it would definitely be something if I got to old age and hadn't become an artist I would definitely regret that because even though I didn't know that I had the potential well I mean I was interested in art and I suspected I could become an artist but I was so unsure of myself for so long wasn't sure if I'd have the ideas and the be able to develop the skill but I think not pursuing that I would have been disappointed in myself um Mm. yeah and I just I think um sounds sounding very melodramatic again but I think life is quite boring a lot of the time like there's so much drudgery and so much routine mm-hmm. that you just really really need a um, I mean relationships make life worthwhile but you also really really need a big huge ongoing project to be able to to get excited about otherwise yeah you know like the, the days of yeah up.
0: yeah that's it there's everything so repetitive it just yeah. flies by before you've even realized yeah. yeah yeah absolutely that is that is good we should all live like that
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah I'm saying that sounding all you know Oprah Winfrey but not that I, have, I haven't been doing much art at all but it's been in my mind so <laughs> yeah see that's <laughs> the like thing being yeah. others, it makes you see the world a different way like I imagine yourself being a musician you would hear things and think of it think of things differently whereas I'll look at certain colors or compositions and it'll get me excited about things or make me think about things a certain way so it's something that you always carry with you
0: yeah yeah absolutely Thank you, Simone. It's been a real pleasure to meet you and to have you on the podcast today.
1: Thank you so much for having me, Alison. I really loved talking about about everything we talked about tonight. It's um, been all very deep and meaningful and, um, yeah, it's good to talk about the things that are important in life, like art and family because, yeah, it really is what makes life worthwhile. So, yeah, mm. it's good to have the chance to articulate all the thoughts in my
0: head. <laughs> have oh. someone listen to them. <laughs> yeah, no, thanks for sharing. It's been really nice. Thanks for your company today. If you've enjoyed this episode, I'd love you to consider leaving us a review, following or subscribing to the podcast, or even sharing it with a friend you think might be interested. If you or someone you know would like to be a guest on the podcast, please get in touch with us via the link in the show notes. I'll catch you again next week for another chat with an artistic mum.